feel more special to do it with, with the moms here tonight? Yeah, you know, uh, uh, it's definitely great. You know, uh, you know, all the sacrifices and everything they've done uh, for us and our families uh, over the years has been uh, tremendous. And you know, sometimes you don't have a chance to thank them enough for everything they've done. So it's 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 a nice opportunity opportunity for for us to be here, share share a few days with them. They're obviously excited uh, as we can hear, but uh, you know, it's uh, it's been a great uh, few days, uh, lots of laughs, lots of fun. So. Uh, again, you know, we can't thank them enough for, for everything they've done. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your favorite team every single day. The Bruins finally have their first win of 2020. They ended a three-game losing streak with a 6-2 win over the Nashville Predators last night. We'll take a look at that, but first I want to remind you that uh, you can find the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, chances are, if you're listening, you've already done so, but uh, please let people know that they can find it on Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Pocket Casts, uh, wherever podcasts are available, basically, is where you can listen to the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast, as well as other podcasts from around the Locked On network. Um, my name is Ian McLaren. I'm your host as always. You can find me at ENC McLaren. You can also follow the show at LO underscore Boston Bruins on Twitter. Uh, as I mentioned, the Bruins won last night, uh, 6-2 over the Nashville Predators, uh, to, uh, extend their lead, uh, on the second place Toronto Maple Leafs in the Atlantic Division, uh, with the Tampa Bay Lightning charging pretty quickly. Uh, we'll get into that later with the Atlantic Division power rankings. But first, let's look back at last night's win over the Predators in Nashville with the Bruins' moms uh, looking on, joyfully cheering in uh, their uh, luxury box. Uh, and uh, it was really cool to see them uh, gathering together, uh, cheering for their boys, and uh, to to get to see a win. And And you heard off the top, Patrice Bergeron talking about how much it meant for him and for his teammates to have their mobs in attendance, all the support that they've given all the players over the years. Uh, you could hear them cheering in the background. Um, if you follow Sofia Yerksevich on Instagram, you'll see some pretty cool videos of the players kind of going through a mom gauntlet after the game, high fives all around. Uh, so it was cool to see everybody, uh, yeah, just happy and feeling good after a, a complete team win for the Bruins last night. That was key for this team. As I said, they won 6-2, six different goal scorers in this one. Uh, kick started by David Pasternak's league-leading 32nd goal of the season. An absolute blast uh, off the wing past uh, Pecorine. Uh, but then that was followed by uh, Danton Heinen's 7th of the season. Patrice Bergeron's 18th, Chris Wagner's 4th, David Krejci's 9th, and Charlie Coyle's 8th of the season. So six different goal scorers. Uh, two players had two points, that being Coyle, who added an assist, and Heinen, who added an assist. Uh, so an all-around team effort, and uh, really great to see. Uh, Bruce Cassidy, after the game, said, I don't think we've ever considered ourselves a one-line team, even though there's uh, you know, been questions all season, even last season, about secondary scoring. Uh, he said, we've always felt like we're a group of 20 guys that have to pull their weight every night 
And if not, we're not going to win every night. That was a good example of it. Uh, 14 players recorded at least one point. And again, the Bruins snapped their three-game losing streak dating back to a New Year's Eve loss to the New Jersey Devils. Um, Pasternak, as I mentioned, scored his uh, 32nd goal of the season. Uh, but it was not at all the top-line team that carried the load. It was an all-around team effort. Bergeron added, that's the type of team we are. We're a team that needs and relies on everyone to play their game and bring it every night. I thought tonight was a perfect example of how we want to play and compete. If we do that more often than not, we're going to get the result. The Bruins had been uh, riding a streak where they only had won four games out of their last 15 Hopefully this begins a uh, a new run of success here and that they've sort of figured things out. Um, it wasn't against uh, an easy team by any stretch. The Predators are good. They're playing against... Uh, sorry, they're playing with uh, first uh, day head coach, John Hines. They certainly wanted to impress him. Um, Bergeron said, despite the lopsided score... Uh, It's been a while since they've played a team like that, assertive on the puck throughout the game for 60 minutes nonstop. Um, The way they competed, the way they played, good things were going to happen. The Bruins just rose to the challenge. The third line was especially uh, good. Bjork, Anders Bjork had been bumped up to the second line. Brett Ritchie joined uh, Charlie Coyle and Danton Heinen. And uh, full credit to Ritchie, Uh, he looked pretty good last night. Um, there were some um, physicality, uh, creating turnovers, winning puck battles. Um, so, and it also led to two, a goal from Heinen and a goal from Coyle. So, um, it was nice to see uh, Heinen get off to a, a good game after being benched last week. Uh, he said, mentally, it kind of reminds you that you can do it, trying to build off it and keep working on the details. Big bodies winning battles uh, in Coyle and Richie. Down low and on the walls, that was all them. Try to get open. They're going to the net, creating traffic. So we might see that trio uh, put together again for next game against the Winnipeg Jets on Thursday. Uh, Certainly seemed to work against the uh, Predators. Uh, We all know that there's still a need on the right side. I don't know if Richie's the long-term answer, but for the time being... Uh, the trio of Heinen, Coyle, and Richie was effective against the Predators, and I assume we'll see them again against the Winnipeg Jets. Um, with the win, the Bruins improved to 25, 8, and 11, 61 points, which is four behind the Washington Capitals for first overall, tied with St. Louis uh, with 61 points as well. And... Um, With that, we can get into the Atlantic Division Power Rankings. Stop me if you've heard this before, but to kick off this week's Atlantic Division Power Rankings, we have to begin with the Detroit Red Wings at the very bottom of the Atlantic and the very bottom of the NHL uh, by far, really. Uh, They have a record of 11, 30, and 3, 25 points. Uh, minus 72 goal differential, which is just horrendous. Uh, the next lowest team in the NHL is the, uh, in terms of goal differential, that is 
the New Jersey Devils at minus 39. So uh, Detroit almost double that. The next lowest team in terms of points is the Ottawa Senators and the New Jersey Devils. They have 37 points. So Detroit, 12 points behind that pace in terms of goal differential, just uh, way behind. I noted on Twitter the other day that they're actually on track to have the lowest uh, point percentage in the shootout era. That would be um, worse than the Colorado Avalanche a few years ago. Uh, it's the first year under general manager Steve Eiserman. Obviously, they're putting themselves in position to draft either Alex Lafreniere or Quentin Byfield with the number one overall pick. Uh, Lafreniere, if you watch the World Junior Championship, is a very special player, someone certainly to build around. Um, not guaranteed that they'll get the top pick with uh, the way that the NHL's lottery rules work, but uh, they definitely have um, the best odds of doing so and can certainly use him. Uh, a bit of a write-off year for the Red Wings and um, kind of embarrassing that the Bruins lost to them earlier this season. I mentioned the Ottawa Senators. They're the clear uh, seventh team in the Atlantic right now. They have uh, 37 points through 43 games, record of 16, 22, and 5, minus 31 goal differential. Uh, they may have some players who will be available at the trade deadline. That's always something to keep in mind right now for clear uh, sellers. If we look at Detroit's um, lineup, they have some uh, pending unrestricted free agents who might garner some interest at the trade deadline, mostly on defense. And Mike Green, uh, Jonathan Erickson, and Trevor Daly, uh, their young guys are restricted free agents and uh, likely to be retained for the most part, although... Uh, Andreas Athanasiu doesn't seem to be really in favor uh, with Red Wings brass and coaching staff, and he might be on the block, although um, he hasn't really been much to write home about. His speed is certainly uh, worth noting. Um, but from the Senator's point of view, they have a couple of players who might generate some interest on the uh trade front. They actually only have a couple players who are signed past um, next season in Colin White and Thomas Shabbat. The rest are unrestricted or restricted free agents. On the UFA front, we have uh, Mikhail Bodker, Vladislav Nemestikov, Jean-Gabriel Pajot, Tyler Ennis, uh, Mark Borriecki, Dylan DeMello, uh, those are guys that even uh, Craig Anderson uh, in net, those are guys that could be targeted as uh, solid additions for a playoff run. And I would expect that, um, yeah, the Senators are certainly uh, sellers and uh, the Bruins might have interest in uh, some of these guys, including Pajot. Uh, I would expect that they'll retain Duclair, who's an RFA. Uh, but um, yeah, Pajot... As I mentioned, uh, certainly a guy the Bruins could look at, maybe even Nemesnikov as a versatile two-way forward. Um, he could be a good addition as well. Uh, next up is the Montreal Canadiens. They are uh, currently sixth in the Atlantic with a record of 18, 19, and 7, 43 points, minus four 
goal differential. They seem to think that they're sticking around in the playoff race based on some moves that they have made uh, recently. Uh, most notably, as we mentioned, they signed Ilya Kovalchuk. He's played two games with the Canadians. Uh, they've lost both games, but uh, he has looked really good in those games, actually. Uh, he has um, recorded three assists uh, and five shots in those two games, averaging about 20 minutes a night uh, for the for the Canadians. Uh, so pretty impressive start to his run with the Canadians. Uh, but I don't know if he'll be able to get them over the hump. It'd be quite something if they're able to flip him for a pick closer to the deadline as this is kind of an addition maybe for him. Um, but uh, that would be a nice little piece of work for the Canadians. And certainly uh, the nature of his contract could make him attractive closer to the deadline if uh, he, if he keeps playing the way that he is. I know a lot of people are saying it's a small sample size, just wait till he lose his interest, but for the time being, he's playing really well uh, for the Canadians. But um, like I said, they are uh, 10 points back of the Maple Leafs for third in the Atlantic and seven points back of the second wildcard spot. So a playoff um, run does not seem likely for this team. Uh, another Atlantic team trying to hold on despite a slew of injuries is the Buffalo Sabres. They're 19-7-7, and 45 points through 43 games, a uh, minus eight goal differential. Again, their uh, playoff hopes seem to be dwindling a little bit here. They've made some moves recently, uh, still on the hunt for a, uh, a top flight winger, although they've been really beset by injuries, which might make this season a write-off, including Jeff Skinner's hurt, Victor Olofsson's hurt right now. Um, and again, their playoff chances quickly dwindling which brings us to the top four teams where things get a bit more interesting. And um, these are teams that should be taken seriously down the stretch, beginning with the Florida Panthers. They have a record of 22-16-5 through 43 games. They have 49 points, a plus seven goal differential. They're four points behind the Maple Leafs with a game in hand, it should be noted. Uh, they're one point behind the... Um, uh, both the Philadelphia Flyers and the Columbus Blue Jackets, who have been surprising as of late uh, to get up into playoff contention. Uh, it's the Hurricanes and the Flyers who hold the wildcard spots right now. Philadelphia ha uh, has 50 points. Carolina has 52 points. Um, but whereas it looked like it could be five teams from the Metro and three from the Atlantic, the Panthers are uh, kicking around and still alive in that race as the top three teams kind of um, distance themselves from the rest. Uh, but if the Panthers can get Bobrovsky even to league average goaltending, as I've said all season, this could be a dangerous team. They certainly have the offense, uh, but whether Bobrovsky's making the defense look bad or the defense is making Bobrovsky look bad remains a question, but either way um, it's certainly hurting this team despite the fact that they have a positive goal differential. The top three teams now, um, the Bruins, as we've mentioned, have been going through a bit of a, a rough stretch here despite the win against uh, Nashville, which hopefully signals uh, a shifting of the tide. Uh, 
for them. But in the meantime, the Maple Leafs and the Tampa Bay Lightning have been uh, really making up some ground. Both teams are 8-1-1 in their past um, nine, or sorry, 10 games. The Lightning have won 8 in a row, including a 9-2 victory over the Canucks on uh, Tuesday, which really reminded us all of how dangerous this team can be. Uh, for now, I'm putting the Maple Leafs in third. They've played 44 games. They're 24-15-5 for 53 points. So they're one point back back of the Lightning, although they've played two more games, giving the Lightning a uh, solid advantage in terms of point percentage. They have a plus 18 goal differential, the Maple Leafs do. And again, they're riding an uh, 8-1-1 streak over their past 10 with a loss coming up uh, last coming against Edmonton, who beat the Bruins as well uh, this week. They play the Jets uh, in Toronto tonight before the Jets come to Boston tomorrow night. So the Bruins will have the advantage of uh, playing the Jets on the second half of a back-to-back. I mentioned the Lightning, their huge win over the Canucks on Tuesday, uh, which really, yeah, put the fear back in the other teams. Uh, oh, yeah, the Lightning are a team to be reckoned with, uh, certainly. Uh, they got off to a slow start this season, raised some questions about whether or not they still had it, uh, but they certainly do still have it. They are 25-13-4. They have a plus 29 goal differential. Uh, they're seven points back of the Bruins uh, with two games in hand, um, and they are fourth in the NHL in terms of goal differential behind the Bruins, Capitals, and Pittsburgh Penguins. That brings us to the number one team, which remains our Boston Bruins. They're 25-8-11, as I mentioned, 61 points, tied for second overall, four behind the Capitals. They have the best goal differential in the league at plus 33. Um... Now, if we take a look at natural stat trick, there's a couple of concerning things to note about the Bruins. Uh, for one, they are a uh, below 50% team in terms of Corsi 4 percentage, basically 49.46, which is pretty close to, um, you know, level, but they are being marginally slightly out attempted at five on five play. They've really been propped up by their strong, um, power play, but they really do need to um, up their production at 5-on-5, especially just generating shot attempts and high-danger shot attempts. If we look at expected goals for the Bruins, their expected goal percentage is pretty much in line with their Corsi percentage of 49.9. That's 16th in the NHL. Uh, The Lightning are third at 52.24, and the Leafs are... 13th at 50.7, so both uh, performing better than the Bruins in that regard. Uh, Corsi-wise, the Lightning are 7th um, in the NHL, 52.47. The Leafs are 5th at 52.63. Uh, so the Bruins uh, lagging in those areas in terms of shot uh, attempt quali- quantity and shot attempt quality uh, the Bruins are behind the Maple Leafs and Lightning, so that's a bit concerning. Uh, they're still being fairly well boosted by their above-average goaltending. Uh, they have a PDO of 102.2, which is second behind the Avalanche. Lightning, it should be noted, are third at 101.6. The Leafs are 
uh, 100.6, meaning, um, you know, they've been uh, hurt by below average backup goaltending. Michael Hutchinson has looked strong recently, so that could help them down the stretch. Uh, but if we look at the underlying numbers, uh, current trends, the Bruins uh, do have reason to be concerned that uh, either the Lightning and or the Leafs could catch them at some point down the stretch uh, here with uh, whatever is remaining, uh, 38 games remaining on the schedule. So again, hopefully this is a sign of things to come for the Bruins. They turn things around against the Predators. Even looking at last night's game, the Predators had a slight advantage in shot attempts at 5-on-5 play, 42-40. to um, It was kind of skewed because the Predators had a lot of power play opportunities, so overall it was 69-40, 54 advantage, 56% uh, for the Predators. But again, that was skewed because of some penalty trouble that the Bruins found themselves in. So all that to say, yeah, there's reason to um, believe the Bruins could be caught, but for the time being, they're the clear number one team in the Atlantic. And um, if they can um, repeat last night's performance more regularly than not, they should be they should be all right. Now let's take a look at some news and notes from around the NHL. Uh, with the All-Star game coming up, NHL Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly said the league is concerned over the recent trend of notable players skipping the annual All-Star game, um, Alex Ovechkin, Marc-Andre Fleury have opted out of this year's game. They'll each face a one-game suspension, either directly before or after the event. Um, Daly said, according to ESPN, what we want to do is make sure everybody understands that it's an important event, not something that should be bypassed lightly. We'll seek the help with the NHLPA in instilling that sentiment with the players. Uh, this could come to um, be relevant for the Bruins as Patrice Bergeron is up for the last man voted in. Uh, and if he is selected, um, I think it's very possible that he could opt out uh, because of, you know, he's got nothing to prove. He needs the rest. The Bruins have 10 days off over that break. Uh due to uh, their bye week as well. He could really use the rest and, um, you know, just give it to the next highest vote getter if that's the case. Um, Another note is that uh, the Hurricanes re-signed winger Justin Williams to play out the balance of this season. Uh, It's a base salary of $700,000, similar to what Ilya Kovalchuk signed with the Canadians. Uh, But, uh, Plenty of incentives that could bring it up to $1.3 million, I believe. Uh, he's 38, stepped away from the game for a few months to see whether he wanted to come back. Uh, he'll be a boost, certainly in the locker room, um, in the lineup as well, despite his advanced age. He's 38, um, and the Hurricanes certainly seem to believe that they have what it takes to compete this year, having advanced to the conference final last year, and uh, have their eye on helping Williams go out on top. Um, Interestingly, there was some speculation that the Bruins, Lightning, and Maple Leafs and Capitals had uh, contacted Williams to see if he'd be interested in jumping ship 
uh, of the storm surge and joining their teams. Uh, but it seemed like if he was coming back, it would be only uh, to join his old club. Uh, so a boost for the hurricanes there as well. It'll be fun to see what they break out for uh, the storm surge. Um, <laughs> the first game that he back and that they win. Um, Joe Haggerty of NBC sports. He, um, first of all, full credit to Haggerty. I don't always agree with him. In fact, very rarely, but he was on board with the Kovalchuk, uh, to Boston movement. Uh, so full credit to him for that. I, I agreed with him there. Um, he recently suggested the Bruins need additional scoring depth, uh, which is, you know, no shit. He pointed out there's a problem with consistent offense beyond the top line, blah, blah, blah. We already know all this. He suggested Chris Kreider, Tyler Toffoli, Kyle Palmieri. Um, we all know that Sweeney hasn't been afraid to make a move or two before the trade deadline, acquiring Rick Nash two years ago, Coyle and Marcus Johansson before last year's deadline. Um, he should be in on the likes of Kreider to Foley. Um, again, the Bruins have limited cap space to work with. They'll have to get a bit creative. Um, but you know, nobody who listens to this podcast or follows the Bruins doubts that, um, the Bruins will make a move or two or three before the deadline. So thanks to Haggerty for bringing that up again. Uh, Bruce Kariok of the Ottawa Sun. I mentioned earlier the Senators and some of their trade candidates. Um, Garriott believes Craig Anderson could be dealt if another team shows interest. Um, but there's a lot of decisions to make with regards to Pajot, Boriwecki, Ron Hainsey, Dylan DeMello, Nemestikov, Tyler Ennis. Certainly uh, a lot of pieces on the board for the Senators prior to the deadline. They could really bring in a lot of... Um, picks, prospects, and um, posi- position themselves well uh, in this rebuild that they're currently going through to, uh, yeah, add even more. They have their pick, the Sharks' first-round pick this year, which could be pretty high. Um, so um, Senator is very bad right now, but the future is pretty bright for that team if they're able to uh, play their cards correctly. That's it for the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast for Wednesday, January 8th. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your favorite team every single day. Um, Bruins will be in action again tomorrow night against the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, so tomorrow's podcast, we'll tee that game up. And um, yeah, just keep going with the the daily Boston Bruins content. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you for taking the time to reach out on Twitter uh, with feedback about the show. Um, any suggestions or questions that you have, feel free to um, send them to at Ian C. McLaren or at LO underscore Boston Bruins. We also have uh, an email address, LockedOnBostonBruins at gmail.com, to which you can send any long-form uh, questions or uh, comments or feedback about the podcast. Uh, So yeah, I hope you all have a good rest of the day. We'll catch you again tomorrow. Uh, That's it for today. Thanks a lot, friends. Take care.